but I like a little engagement, but I'm excited this morning. I don't get to do this often, and Pastor asked me um, to preach this morning to his congregation, and I'm looking forward to it, seeing what God's going to do in this place. Um, I posted on my Facebook yesterday that I wanted to talk about unity this morning. And this isn't going to be any type of message that, um, that you probably haven't heard, right? You've probably heard this. You've probably heard the scripture that I'm going to reference this morning. But I wanted to talk about um, unity. Everybody say unity with me. Because at the end of the day, we are the body of Christ, right? We are the body of Christ. We are Christians. We are believers. We have walked into this church this morning because we are the body of Christ. Because without him, we're nothing. Without him, we want to do our own things, right? And we don't want to live by what he has told us to do and to live by. But at the end of the day, we're the body of Christ. But guess what? We need each other. We need each other. You know, so many times, uh, more than a handful of times, just in these last five years, I've needed my church family. Over whatever it may be, my family's needed, um, you know, their, their church family, Right? But I've needed my church family because we need each other. If you don't get anything out of what I say today, please get this. We need each other because at the end of the day, we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. So what does the word community mean to you? Somebody tell me. What does the word community mean to you? Anybody? Friends? Okay. All right. Anybody else? Shout it out. Let me know. Neighbors, family, okay, or close proximity. That's a good one. And that's good. But for me, and what I came up with this week is that community is doing life together. Community is doing life together. The people that you are surrounded by on a daily basis, okay, or weekly basis if it's church, all right, but sometimes maybe daily basis in, in that case too. But it means doing life together. And that's the title of my message today, doing life together. You know, I think community is best when it's in the context of our faith. I think it's best served when it's in the context of our faith. And I know we tend to think about our relationship with Jesus as a personal thing, but I'm learning more and more each and every day, each and every week that goes by that community has a huge impact on my faith a huge impact on my faith. And this is a pastor talking, okay? I need you, all right? I need you to help me carry on and do what I'm supposed to do. And it's supposed to be that way. Whether you know that or not this morning, it is supposed to be that way. It's not just a personal thing, okay? It's not just a personal thing. Community has a huge impact on your faith and on mine as well. I want to look at the way the early church was described in Acts 2, starting in verse, verse 42. And I'm out of the ESV today, but it'll be on the screen. And it says, and they devoted, they devoted, that's a strong word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Shouldn't we be like that? And day by, 
uh, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. That passage right there gets me excited because it's talking about having a what? Glad and generous heart. It's telling us have a glad and generous heart, praising God for what he had given them and having favor with all the people. And then at the end, what? Their number day by day rose of those who were being saved. But do you see the word that gets repeated in that passage? It's together. Everybody say it with me, together. And this was the very beginning of Christianity, and we see it modeled from the very first believers that they were the ones that knew Jesus. They followed him together. It's that key word, they followed him together. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper, and my message isn't going to be very long today because I believe that it's short and sweet and to the point, and God has something for us. But we live right now in the greatest age of connectivity. And some of my older saints today can say, yes, right? We live in the greatest age of connectivity that there has ever been. The internet and social media have made it possible for us to connect with anyone and everyone with very little effort on our parts. All we have to do is go to a search bar and we can probably find the person if they're on there. But for example, there's a guy that I went to high school with. He's a nice guy, to be honest. And I wasn't good friends with him in high school, and I haven't seen or spoken to him in years, but we live about 12,000 miles apart, or 1,200, sorry, miles apart. That'd be a long way. He lives in a different galaxy. No, about 1,200 miles apart from one another. But yesterday, all right, I'm a friend of his on Facebook, but I knew what he had for lunch yesterday because he posted it, right? That's the kind of connectivity that we had. Somebody, one of your family members can live Miles away, but you know what's going on in their life as long as they're a poster, okay? And not like my wife. (laughs) She hardly ever posts on Facebook, and that's okay. She just doesn't like to, all right? But if somebody posts and you know it or you know them, you're probably going to see it on your timeline, whatever you may use, all right? These right here are capable of a lot of things, okay? And that's weird, but it's kind of normal now, right? That connectivity is normal. It's just kind of the way that we go about things, the way that we live, is that we are connected. We are connected, and that's the new normal. But there's a catch on this, and that the latest uh, sociological uh, studies are showing that although we are more connected now than ever with one another, we also feel more alone. We also feel so much more alone and more unknown than we have ever felt before. There are studies, you can go on Google, probably just type that in, you'll find it. But somewhere along the way, in all of this connectivity, in all of this community, something has gone wrong. Or at least something has not uh, fully clicked with us. And we have uh, so much commonality and so much shared experience And yet we fill this void of being alone. And I want to ask you today, why is that? Why is that? What what are we missing here in this? What are we missing here in this? And I believe, if it was my answer today, I think it's Jesus. 
I think it's Jesus. Because here's the deal, okay? Get this this morning. Here's the deal. You can have community without Christ. You can. It's possible, okay? That's a true statement. You can have community without Christ because you probably have this in your own life. Community with people who aren't Christians. When you go to work each day, there are people, I'm sure, that are not Christians, okay? And if you work in an office or warehouse or whatever you may work in, and every single person in that building is a Christian, that is awesome, okay? Good. But that's probably not the case. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, okay? I'm not saying that's a bad thing this morning. But I believe that God is calling us to live in a gospel community. I believe that he's calling us to live in a gospel community where what we all have in common is, is not just where we grew up or what football team that we support. Boomer Sooner, <laughs> right? Sorry, pokes this morning that are here this morning, all right? But that's... Uh, we all have that in common, the majority of us in here. In a gospel community, our commonality is this, is that we are all sinners. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. Desperately, though, desperately, desperately, desperately needing of a saver, a savior this morning. And we believe that's Jesus Christ. And through his life, his death and his resurrection, he is that savior. He is that savior, you know, because in a gospel community, Jesus is the foundation of our community. Okay. What we're doing in here right now, and what I'm doing here today is that it is about Jesus, right? It is about God. Jesus is the foundation of our community. And if he's not, you need to go looking for it. Okay. You know, I tell our students all the time, I don't want you to just do life together just because it's nice to have friends. Okay. It is nice to have friends. Don't get me wrong. Right. None of us want to be alone. Okay. We don't, we don't enjoy that. All right. But doing life together is not just about the friends. That's a great benefit. But I tell them constantly, I want you to do life together in a gospel community so that you can live an abundant life for Christ. Because guess what we do when we do that? We change the world, right? We change the world. It doesn't matter if you're 90 years old or you're 16. It doesn't matter, okay? You can change the world as long as you do what? Live that abundant life in Christ. We can do that. You know, I was a super quiet kid and teenager, all right? And you can go ask my wife. She'll tell you, okay? I didn't hardly talk at all, okay? I just didn't. I mean, not that I didn't like people, Okay. It just wasn't my thing. Right. I was a pretty quiet, shy kid and teenager. And I've tried to grow, grow out of that a little bit organically over the years. But of course I still have those tendencies. You know, one of the most difficult things for me that I can remember was Sunday school growing up because I knew that I was going to have to share. <laughs> Anybody been here before? <laughs> All right. I knew that in Sunday school, I was going to have to share because oftentimes, and we went to a decent sized church, but oftentimes there was only 10, maybe 15 people in that class. And I knew that I was going to have to share something most of the time. All right. Opening or openly sharing life, my life with a group of people was hard. <laughs> and some were close friends. All right. And some not so much, but people younger and older than I. But what I learned in these moments was that being vulnerable with others was a, was a good thing. 
being vulnerable with others was a good thing because if it didn't do anything else, it was going to encourage my faith, right? It was going to encourage my faith and it might in turn encourage somebody else's faith because that's why we're here is to encourage one another, is to encourage one another. That's what community is. You know, some of, the, uh, some of you, or for some of you, the idea of being vulnerable with other people is terrifying. You're just thinking about it now, and your heart rate is racing. Okay, it's, it's going up as I speak, because it's terrifying. Because you don't want to go there. You don't want people to know all of the stuff, all that's going on in your life, or all that you've done in your past. You've worked really hard to conceal it. And we do that as Christians, don't we? We do that. That's something that we do. We, we know that we're, uh, or what we're supposed to say, the, the key words that we're supposed to say, and the things that we're supposed to do to act and to be a good Christian. But when we tear down those uh, walls and we get real, I promise you, if you've ever sat at a retreat with about 15, 13 to 18-year-olds, I can promise you, when you get outside of Oklahoma City and you go to wherever you're going, I can promise you, those walls are going to break down, okay? It's going to happen. When we tear those walls down and we get real, we realize this is something great, that nobody's perfect, okay? The person you are sitting next to right now, if it's your spouse, okay, if it's your friend, all right, nobody is perfect in this place, Because guess what? All of our stories have scars. Every single one of us, something in our life, we have scars from. You know, because Ephesians 4 and 4 says that we are all one body. We are all one body, okay? This right here is your hand and this right here is your arm, all right? Without this, your hand can't do anything, all right? Your hand can't do anything at all. You have to have that connectivity of your arm and your hand to be able to do this or be able to shake somebody's hand or grab something, right? Because this is your body. If this is separated, you can't do anything, right? You're just walking around like this, like, hey, right? I got, I got my arm, but I don't have my hand. Or, you know, uh, uh, my hand's just float. Well, if your hand's floating around, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be something only seen in the movies, right? All right. But we are all one body. The person you are sitting next to today is connected to you in this church, whether you know them or not. You walked into this building today. You are connected with somebody else in this place. We are all hearing the same message this morning because the church isn't made up of a bunch of disconnected people. The church is not you over there doing your thing and me over here doing my thing in this corner. We are connected. We are the church. We must be a team working together to accomplish God's purposes. Because whether you know this or not, or you choose to believe it or not, that's the only way that they can be accomplished. I can't accomplish, okay, anything on my own, all right? Anything on my own. I have to have you. And I hope that you have to have me and believe that. But gospel community creates safe havens for us to be vulnerable with our struggles. It also creates a space for us to hold one another accountable. And I'm going to stop there for a minute and talk a little bit about that. That is one of the hardest things for us as Christians, to have accountability. 
right? Because what somebody doesn't know won't hurt, right? But I say today is that you need accountability. Whether you've been doing this thing for 65 years and you know the Bible front to back, or whether you just walked into this place off the streets this morning, it doesn't matter. You have to have accountability because we are nothing without it. We are nothing without it. You can live without it. It's possible, okay? But I can promise you there's going to be a day that you're going to slip up. You're going to do something that, you know, you shouldn't have done, that you're going to second-guess yourself about. We have to hold one another accountable because we all have blind spots. When you get in your car, you have blind spots, all right? You have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And it should be important to us to live in the kind of authentic and vulnerable community where somebody can lovingly, okay, lovingly, not judgmentally, point out our weaknesses and encourage us to grow. Now we're going to look at Hebrews 10, and it says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It says in there, let us consider. And I love that. Let us consider because let's actually spend time thinking about and and dwelling on how we can encourage one another. Let's spend time in our day to be thinking about that. How can I encourage my brother Asif? Right? Because I would hope that when I needed encouragement, he would come to me and give me encouragement, right? We have to be encouraging to one another. The Bible literally says that. Be encouraging to one another. You know, some of you are just showing up, all right? And I'm not trying to step on toes today. And if that's not you, then so be it. Okay, that's awesome. But some of you are just showing up. And guess what? We're genuinely glad that you're here, okay? I am glad you're here today. But if your routine here is to show up, enjoy the service, go home, that's cool. And I mean that. But our desire is that you would get plugged in. And I believe if pastor was here today, he would say the same thing. Our desire is that you would get plugged in. You don't have to teach a class, okay? But there's other things in the body, okay, in the community that we have here that you can do. We have to find the gospel community and be encouraged in our relationship with Jesus. Because if I could put this in big, bold letters today, we need each other. We need each other. You know, also, God wants us to be interested in others. We move to the concept of selflessness and and teamwork. You know, the church is not a one-man show, okay? It's not a one-man show. It's not Pastor Bounds doing everything, okay? It's not a one-man show. The kingdom of God isn't about what you're doing or, or what I'm doing. It is about what we're doing together. You know, we all may have a, some sort of part in, in that. That's our own. That's our thing. That's our role. Because we each have a role and we have a function in the body but we cannot just do our job and forget about everybody else. Because if I did that, if I just went and did my job and I forgot about all of our teenagers, what good is that going to accomplish? 
It's not that we just do our thing and if somebody else does something that has nothing to do with us, okay, it, it's, it's, it's not about that, all right? We do it together. Paul urges us to take an interest, take an interest in one another, a genuine interest, not just a, hey, how you doing, you know, a genuine interest in one another because this not only creates effective results, but it helps promote unity in the church. Because the person that we look to in the Bible, right, the person we strive to be like was Jesus, and Jesus considered others before himself. He considered others before himself because he took interest in others. Verse 8, in a pro, there's, a, there's a passage in Proverbs, and I didn't put it up on the screens today. But it says, in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. It wasn't Proverbs, sorry. <laughs> I didn't have it written down here. But he didn't die on the cross for himself. All right, He didn't do that. If you think that, then <laughs> he did not die on the cross just for himself. He died on it for you. And he died on it for me. He did it for others because Jesus considered others before himself. He took interest in others. He never had a perspective where he only looked at what he was doing. He saw a greater plan, and he saw everything in that, in God's greater plan. And further on, he took interest in his disciples, right? And after his resurrection, he took special interest in uh, restoring Peter because for him, every person was valuable. Every person was valuable. He took a genuine interest in people. This is going to be a big section of scripture here, but I want you to soak it in this morning. And it's 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to close here in a minute. And it says this, just as a body through or though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were, give, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the, foot, uh, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. <laughs> and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, 
so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. We are the body of Christ, and we need each other. We all have a place and a purpose. We all have a place and a purpose in this building and in this place, and even more so outside of this building to our community and those in need. You know, I was going to stop there. But as I prepared and prayed, God led me to something very interesting and very cool. Because, yes, we do need each other. And as this reality sinks in, there's a beautiful truth lying just beneath the surface. Because God is doing his work in other people through us. Let's say that again. God is doing his work in other people through us. You know, there was an old preacher from the Civil War era named E.M. Bounds. (laughs) Of course, right? I don't think there's any relation there. All right. But he said it this way. We are constantly on a stretch, if not a strain, to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church and secure enlargement and efficiency for the gospel. This trend of the day has a tendency to lose sight of the man or sink the man in the plan or organization. God's plan is to make much of the man, far more of him than of anything else. Men are God's methods. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. (laughs) Let that sink in for a minute. The church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. Because at the end of the day, folks, we're never going to get anywhere if we don't do better. If we don't, you know, encourage one another. If we don't allow God to lift up our faith And brighten our eyes to things that are unseen. People that need help. People that need hope. You know, we are God's method. And you guys can go ahead and come on up and play something. But we are God's method. You are God's method. I am God's method. He wants to use us to work in other people's lives. In the lives of your friends and your family. Right? your neighborhoods, and at your jobs. You are God's method. And for our school kids in the schools, look around at the people that you're sitting with right now. Look around. These people are God's methods in your life. The person you're sitting next to, the person that's behind you, the person that's in front of you, left and right, forward and back. They are the people that are God's method in your life. And guess what? You are his method in theirs. Because at the end of the day, we need each other. Do life together. Do life together. Because God uses us to accomplish his work in the lives of those around us. And my prayer is that this church would become a better place a great place of gospel community more so than we are right now 
where we can do life together and we can encourage one another and where God uses us. He uses me. He uses you. He uses our pastor and the lives that walk into this place and the lives that walk into this place. If you'll stand with me this morning. You know, whether you uh, know it or not, there's a community outside these four walls that needs Jesus now more than ever. There's going to be adults, older, younger, kids, teenagers that walk into this place that we don't know. We don't have any clue who they are. We've never met them in our life. They're going to walk into this place And what they're going to want to see is doing life together. Encouragement. People of faith. That's what they need to see. is people doing life together. And I feel like we've been doing a great job of that. But we can do better. We can always do better. We can always do better. We have to do life together, folks. We have to do life with one another. We got to be there to pray for one another. We got to be there for kids' graduations. <laughs> we got to be there for when people pass. We got to be there for people that are going through a hard time in their marriage. got to be there for people that are going through addictions and need a savior because whether you've not whether you've been in that situation or not you can help somebody out you can help somebody out that needs that